0: Hi, I'm Alex.
1: And I'm Brenda. Welcome to Conversational Counseling, where counseling and discipleship meet.
0: Justification is nothing to prove, nothing to lose. Because God says, I'm not guilty. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have anything to lose. I'm free.
1: Really, what we begin to see is throughout our lives, the glory and grace of God grow so much as we really understand who God is, what He's done for us, how much He loves us.
0: Okay, Brenda, we're doing these three things, and yes, we were just laughing because we didn't know we say they're going to be three simple things. <laughs> <laughs> and our three things this uh, this time are the three shuns. Now we're not um, no longer speaking to anyone or not having any communica- uh, fellowship with them. Not that kind of shun. The shuns: T-I-O-N, um, justification, sanctification, glorification. And as I just said. Um, There have been volumes written about these three subjects, but somehow we're going to cover them in 30 minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, easy. Easy for us and easy for the listeners as well. But actually, I think the challenge here, and I think that we're going to be able to do it, is to present it in a way that is once again digestible and can be metabolized. Into our own lives, and then be able to be useful as we minister to other people, Lord willing. <laughs> so that's our challenge today. Um, so the three shuns that we want to talk about are kind of big words, but we're going to unpack it and explain what they are. It's justification, sanctification. And glorification. I agree. All right. So, Alex, um, you know, we said we'd have three things, but sometimes our three things are going to have babies. Yes. And so we got baby peas that we're going <laughs> to add to these three <laughs> big theological concepts. But hopefully this will break it down and even make it more simple. So under justification, what we want to remember, the P there is the penalty of sin has been paid. Okay, the penalty, that's the P word we're looking for. In sanctification, the power of sin has been broken. Mm -hmm. Okay, so power is the word we're looking for then. And then in glorification, the presence of sin has been removed.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay,
1: so these concepts are actually really important for us to remember, and we've been talking about hooks and frameworks and orientation, but they really do help us begin to know how to enter in into our own hearts and our own lives and know where we are. And we, we've been talking a lot about the story, where we are in God's story. Um, and then, you know, what we have to look forward to in God's story.
0: Yeah, I think what we see even in our own lives or as when we're talking to someone else is we see someone stuck in a way that we can begin to identify that they're stuck in one of these three concepts, or they're missing one of these three concepts. And I think that's going to become clearer as we flesh it out.
1: Yeah. So one, maybe one easy way that I can explain this in my own life is that um, I came to faith in a tradition that had a very big emphasis on evangelism. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, I was always taught the gospel. I was always taught that the penalty of my sin had been paid. But what I had not been taught is that the power had been broken mm-hmm. and that that was going to be progressive. And we'll talk about that in just a mm-hmm. second. But what happened essentially is every time I sinned, I went back to thinking I had to be resaved. Okay. I went back to justification because right. it's like, uh oh, somebody's got to pay for this sin. I need to go back and I need to, you know, rededicate my life to the Lord. Yes. I need to get resaved. And I sort of laugh and say, I've been saved like seven times, baptized 11 times, right. because in this time of my life, I just never understood that there was actually, that I wasn't going to stop sinning just because the penalty for my sin had been paid in justification. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: and Mm -hmm. that became a trap for me and very discouraging to think that I wasn't a Christian. And I certainly wasn't a very good Christian if I was one. And um, sort of to your point, there was something very, very essential to my Christian walk that I was missing.
0: So if you understood that justification is that point in time— It is that declared, it's really a legal word, right? It is the gavel was lowered and not guilty was declared over you. You wouldn't have continued to go back and go back and go back because you would have recognized that that point in time led you into, immediately into this process of sanctification where the power of sin was being broken.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for me, I didn't really understand that in justification, I mean, I was adopted. Mm-hmm. as God's child. And so um, I was brought into his family. That means he wrote my name in his book mm-hmm. and he wasn't ever going to erase it. Didn't matter how bad I sinned. right? <laughs> he was never going to erase my name. That he had put in me the Holy Spirit, was, which is the promise guaranteeing all the inheritance I have in Christ, that there was union with Christ and it was inseparable. There was nothing that was going to ever separate me from the love of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. But I didn't recognize that. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of people, and I would say especially a lot of people in the South, get stuck right there, right. And they can't understand like, well, if I'm a Christian now, why do I keep sinning? Right? And why do I feel so discouraged? And a lot of feelings, right? I don't feel I don't feel like I have the Holy Spirit, or I don't feel like God loves me. And we were talking about some of the lyrics or the narratives or things we tell ourselves in justification or why it's important to really be grounded and understand what this means that we come into union with Christ Mm -hmm. and our sins are forgiven Mm -hmm. and we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ when justification happens.
0: Yeah, because I can say personally, the way I get um, justification and sanctification twisted is I forget that it is God and it is Christ Himself who does the justifying. And so I bring justification into sanctification and Mm -hmm. think I have to continue to keep proving myself to God. It's yeah. not a point in time, but I've got to keep proving myself. So I'm on the treadmill of keep pleasing Him, to keep doing yeah. what's right, keep performing yeah. right. So you mentioned gospel lyric. One of the the uh, gospel lyric is a concept I learned from Paracolio, and Paracolio does a great job of reminding us those things that we need to hold close to our hearts. The the kind of catchy and easy to remember, so that when I'm discouraged, I can access them. One of the gospel lyrics that I love for. Uh, just justification is nothing to prove, nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Because God says, I'm not guilty. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have anything to lose. I'm free to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one that I really love it goes along with that same lawyer, courtroom, um, legal terminology. And it's for me, this is probably the most precious one. And it's that the courtroom is closed. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to me because in this process of sanctification, I tend to wanna take myself back into the courtroom and retry myself over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. And when I do that, I put myself in the position of judge and everyone else is looking on while I judge myself to deem whether I'm worthy of God's love. Mm -hmm. And so I actually have a visual that I've created in my mind, and you're gonna hear me talk about visual theology a lot because I, I can access a picture more quickly than I can language and logic sometimes. And so my picture is these big, heavy courtroom doors with a big padlock chain and a big padlock on it that it is locked, it is closed. Alex, you are not going to take yourself back in that place and try yourself again. Mm -hmm. Or maybe if you struggle with the opinions of others, you're not going to take yourself back into that courtroom and let other people become your judge because you've already been declared not guilty. You've been declared Beloved. You've been declared... Accepted. Accepted. Approved. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And that's really, if we're not anchored in the love of God for us in Christ right there,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. man, it just jacks us up moving forward, doesn't it? Yes.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) On so many levels. On so many levels. I know... um, one of the things is just as we think about sanctification and the power of sin being broken and the penalty of sin and how God begins to see us or how God does see us once we have put our trust in Christ, um, I, I, you will hear people say, Well, when God sees you, he just, you know, he sees Jesus. And for me, that was such a hard concept because I thought, Well, I'm me, and I'm clearly not Jesus. So I don't understand how when God sees me, he's seeing Jesus, because I don't, you know, there. I know me. Um, but one of the sweetest just visuals that the Lord gave me was the day I met my grandson. Mm-hmm. My grandson was three and a half years old the first time that I ever laid eyes on him. And um and as much as I love my own children and I love my friends' children and I like children, but I'm not somebody who necessarily signs up, you know, to be the teacher in VBS and um, you know, didn't just love babysitting as a child. And so I was sort of like, wow, here's this three and a half year old little boy that's about to come into my life who is a member of my family, but I've never seen him. And I don't know how I'm going to respond to him. Like, I don't know, like emotionally, what's that going to be like? Am I going to connect? Am I going to know that he belongs? And the minute he came up to the front door and I opened that door and I laid eyes on him, I was completely overwhelmed because... I saw the face of my son mm-hmm. on my grandson. <laughs> it is unmistakable. It is undeniable, <laughs> and um, and the thing is, is that my grandson is distinctively my grandson. Right, he is his own person. But to look at him is to see a miniature version of my son, is to see my son. Mm -hmm. And the Lord really began to show me, like, Brenda, this is how I look at you, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it was just such a beautiful picture of you or you, but when I look at you, I see my son, and I see the family resemblance. And I can't tell you why this is, except it just is. But compared to every other three-and-a-half-year-old in the whole world, they all paled in comparison. (laughs) And all I could do was look at him and wanted to hug him and love him and talk to him and know him and engage. Like I was completely captivated completely mm-hmm. into him, mm-hmm. wanted to treasure him, wanted to hold him. I was approving like it just it didn't matter if he came in and he was three and a half. He wasn't like he was gonna come in here and you know be perfect. He was a three and a half year old. But it didn't matter what he did mm-hmm. because I just I just it was just that instantaneous when I saw my son's face in his it just changed everything. Mm-hmm. And it was so beautiful. And so that has been a constant reminder to me of just how God looks at us when He sees the face of Jesus on us. Well,
0: I've heard you say this illustration before, but every time I'm like, this is just <laughs> for me. This is my illustration that God wants me to know, because it is so hard for me to grasp that He is not looking at my performance. You yeah. know, one of the things that that I remember—actually, you come into this story, Brenda. I remember being a young mom. You were doing a mom's group, and you were teaching like techniques for raising children and mm. all these things. <laughs> you know, I remember where we were sitting, and I remember hearing you speak the first time and being like, I need to know all that she knows and I need to know it right now and I went up to you afterwards I mean Brenda we're in our 20s yeah yeah so <laughs> I run I go up to you afterwards and I say can you give me a list of all the things I need to know and I've got so much to learn and I don't know all these things and my daughter is like nine months old and I don't you know and you you're like take a deep breath <laughs> The Lord is going to bring these things to you in His time when Mm. He knows you need them. And it just pointed to this bigger struggle that I've had throughout my whole Christian life. And it is letting go of the truths of my justification and trying so hard now to again prove my worthiness. And thinking that, okay, God did it there. He justified me. It was all His work. But now I got to take over in mm-hmm. sanctification because yeah. I've got I've got to do something. I've got to be something. I've got to walk worthy as if the way I walk is going to make me worthy mm-hmm. of God's love.
1: Yeah. Well, that's really good because you were just talking about, you know, the counsel of God is going to show you it's going to be over time. Mm-hmm. And this really brings us to what sanctification is all about. Yes. That it is the process um, by which God is working out what He is working in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we are cooperating with that process. Um, but it is a process, and you know, sin is stubborn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm reading through Judges right now. <laughs> and we have the cycle, you know, and the people sin, and then there's oppression, and then they cry out for deliverance, mm-hmm. and then God sends a deliver, and then there's a time of peace. And what really struck me was. Um I think it's like the first round was 8 years and then there was 10 years and then there was 18 years and then there was 7 years like they had to, I mean, it was a long time long before they cried out to mm-hmm. the Lord. And of course, they had to deliver who could uh, manipulate, if you will, or who could intervene on external circumstances, but couldn't change the heart. Mm-hmm. And so in sanctification, what God is really doing is He is changing our heart, mm-hmm. right, first, and in changing our heart, making us more holy, if you will, in our conduct, or more mm-hmm. set apart, or to mm-hmm. look more like Jesus in the way we we live, in the, what we think about, um, how we feel, what we do. Um, that we are lining up to be more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love the sort of the analogy of like, if you think about sanctification as the beginning point, and if we can think about glorification, which we'll talk to as our ending point, um, and the in-between is like we are moving toward heaven. Mm-hmm. We are moving toward the end, but the, the in-between can look really, really messy. It's like the trajectory is we're moving up, but in real time, it looks like we're going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And I've heard it described like being on a um, escalator and you're the yo-yo. Yeah. Like you are moving up toward Christ-likeness. You are moving closer to heaven you know, physically, yeah. toward Christ-likeness spiritually. But your life looks a lot more like that yo-yo uh, going up because there is so much sin and there is so much suffering
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: that is intersecting our lives at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's that becoming what we already are. Yeah. I love that. Like It's already true in the heavenlies, and we're um, experiencing it here on earth. And the hardest thing for me is trusting that—this is a quote by Elizabeth Prentice. I always loved. She was a woman who wrote books, and she wrote the hymn, More Love to Thee, and she influenced Elizabeth Elliot. But Elizabeth Prentice says, um, the same God that's in charge of our justification is in charge of our sanctification. That's right. That we can trust Him. And we want to pull control back from Him to make it look like what we think it needs to look like, when it needs to look like that. But the other thing that strikes me, Brenda, is I remember a few years ago, I was taking a counseling class, and um, someone made the comment, I cannot remember who it was, but that sanctification was uh, drawing nearer to God Mm. and knowing God more deeply. And I this may sound crazy, but I've been a Christian for a long, long time. But I remember thinking, that's not right. Mm. It's, become, it's becoming more like Jesus. It's not knowing Jesus more deeply. Mm. And then I was like, Alex, like, it, just shows, it just shows my struggle, mm. right? Mm. I have to be something. I'm mean, going to have to do, I have to do something. It's not being something. Mm-hmm. I have to perform for him, not be in relationship with him. And then I began to realize that that's inextricably linked. Like I can't separate as I know Christ more deeply, I will become more like him. Exactly. As I become more like him, I will know him more deeply. I can't separate the two. But for me, I took the biggest sigh of relief almost of like, wow, I've been so focused on what I'm supposed to do that I haven't really thought about how sanctification is knowing Christ, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. knowing Him, watching Him as I read the Scripture, watching Him interact with me through the Spirit and His Word, like watching His work in other people's lives and being amazed by Him, being drawn in by His beauty, and that that changes me. Mm-hmm. And so it was another paradigm shift for Mm -hmm. me, to realize that it's not just being more like Him, it's knowing Him more deeply.
1: Yeah, that's so good. And I think we've talked a lot in the past about just we're transformed, as the Scripture says, from one glory to the next. How? By doing? No. No, by beholding His glory. As we're drawing near to Him, the Holy Spirit is doing some work in us, Mm -hmm. and that is transforming us. And then the doing is an overflow
0: mm-hmm.
1: of the being. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that's super important. Well, I think we need to come back to the practicalities of some of these, but let's talk about glorification. Yeah. Um, I said glorification. The P was the presence of sin is removed. So Mm -hmm. when we talk about glorification, what are we talking about?
0: Well, let's let's add the presence of sin and suffering is removed. I know we pulled and the effects of sin, sin maybe yeah, yeah. the presence of sin and the effects of sin. So yeah, so we're really talking about our future hope. It's the looking ahead, and to me, it is the. Um, It's the only way to orient and maintain hope When I'm on that up and down Of (laughs) I'm not getting this I'm struggling with the same thing again I'm 50 years old I'm still struggling with the same sins I struggled with in my 20s But just remembering that there is a day When um, I will be unburdened of myself That's right
1: yeah, and your physical pain.
0: Yes, that you had today. <laughs> yeah, in your
1: hips, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably as a result of driving to Chattanooga. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that hope of heaven, um, having an eternal mindset, knowing that there's an end game, and knowing that we win in the mm-hmm. end. Uh, is really, really beautiful. Hope is an incredible motivator when we're struggling with sin or when we are enduring some sort of suffering in mm-hmm. our lives. And one of the things I love, one of the scriptures I've come to love is the scripture that says, those He justified, mm-hmm. He also glorified. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that Paul doesn't mention sanctification in that little verse, because again, I think, like you said, we get really fixated on the in between, which again we need to be faithful and diligent, and you know mm-hmm. cultivate our walk with Christ. But I think that's the the security is not in the sanctification. The security is the working mm-hmm. out of our mm-hmm. justification, and it's the in between. But that security is in our justification,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and you know, and then in our sanctification is where yeah we're working out what God is working in, and we are becoming and that becoming becomes a doing. So let's talk a little bit about how does this help us orient when we're talking to other people? I think we've said a little bit more. I mean, It seems like we've talked a little bit about how we've oriented in our own lives, but why are some of these concepts important, these three things important when we begin to have discussions with other people?
0: Well, I think when we hear someone deeply discouraged in their own Christian life, we can usually pinpoint that they are— um, they're taking God's work of the sanctification or even justification onto themselves, or they're not believing that glorification is to come. So when we hear deep discouragement in the Christian life, I think we can usually hear there's going to be one area in particular where they're struggling. Either you know the penalty hasn't been removed, the power hasn't removed, or the presence won't be removed, and we can kind of listen for that under the discouragement.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good. And so what might be some antidotes or some ways that we could meet them in that? I mean, one of the things I think about in justification, and this is why we talk about preaching the gospel daily to ourselves, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that for most of us, um, our faith is often attacked at the point of our assurance. hmm because I think the enemy really knows <laughs> if we're again, if we're not rooted and anchored in that, we're going to get off mark. I can remember a friend of mine who was a helicopter pilot would just say, when he would do um, instrument flying, if the instruments were off one degree, right, right, you'd start off and you'd be fine. But if you get a hundred, two three, four hundred, the further the further miles you went off, mm-hmm. based off that instrument, the further off the mark you go. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is where assurance—and, you know, I was recently meeting with a woman who, um, you know, I wouldn't say—she definitely—I think she definitely knew the Lord, but she didn't really have that assurance. And we we actually stopped. We actually stopped what we were doing and just said, would you— do you want to just pray a prayer right now? She didn't have that sort of that point in time. Not Mm -hmm. everybody does, Mm -hmm. not everybody does, and that's okay. But for her, she was at this new place with the Lord that she was really doubting and getting beaten up. And because she didn't have this real clear picture, she'd been kind of churched her whole life. She'd been, you know, read the Bible. And we just really stopped there and had sort of this prayer of like faith, of really assurance, of knowing that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know that today is that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was just a real relief and a real sweetness with her. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I think the, the areas of justification is we either want approval or we feel like we have to perform. And so we have to just continue to remind people um, of what God, what, what Jesus has done for them.
0: Yeah, and so I use that visual theology of the courtroom being closed a lot. I, d- I develop that with people. What, what I hear a lot from people, and I have experienced this in my own life, is, is this—I um, know people can't see me, but they say, I've got it here, and they're pointing to their head. Like, I know that, but I don't know that, and they're pointing to their heart. Like, I can't get the truth— yeah. of these rich doctrines down into my heart where I live out of that. Right. And so again, I, I really think visual theology is an important way to do that. We, we attach deep um, theological truth to simple images that we can grasp a hold of in our mind. Um, and so the courtroom is a great one. I even Another way is when I hear someone talking and I hear them saying, you know, well, I mean, I just, I think that this is the right thing to do, but then my mom got mad at me when I, and, and and then just to be able to say, okay, let's pause right there, like, who's the judge in the courtroom right now? Like, take them right back to that visual theology, make it really practical. And what is your mom saying? Is she able to declare you not guilty? Would it matter if she did? Yeah, doesn't matter. Like the only one we want to hear not guilty from is the supreme God of all the universe. And once he says it, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Yeah. And so we just keep developing that as a vi- we We build that visual around the theology right into the struggle where they are yeah, with the good. real people that they're struggling with that. And so I, I just find that that pushes that down. And then again, there is something about journaling and and praying through concepts like this. Like we just ask the Lord when we realize that we aren't getting it in right. our heart, and we journal that out. Like, what is true of me mm-hmm. because the the penalty of sin has been removed? Yeah. Who am I?
1: I was going to say, I think we could link in our show notes, we have um, Bob Kellerman has two great handouts. One is, Who Am I in Christ and Who mm-hmm. Am I to Christ? Yes. And those are just great resources to look up those scriptures, to go over those. That, that's, that's true. This is what God is declaring over us. Mm-hmm and for us to walk in that truth. Um, And then I just think, you know, in sanctification, God is, I always say God is not in a rush, Mm -hmm. and God is so patient, Mm -hmm. and He's so kind. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not to say that we trifle with our sin, or we don't take our sins seriously in any way, but. Most of the people, many of the people that I'm coming in contact with, like they're sincere. They really want to please God, but they're struggling. The very thing they want to do, they're not doing, Mm -hmm. you know. And and we understand, we understand that struggle. There's areas in our own lives where that is happening. But just to even, I think, even for us to realize that God is even using our struggle with sin Mm
2: -hmm. to
1: deepen our faith and our understanding of His grace. And I remember one of my pastors said, God is the only one that can use our sin sinlessly. Mm. And by that, our wrestle with sin, our actual consequences of sin, all of those things God is using to help us see, um, to have a greater affection for who God is, to Mm -hmm. have a greater affection for Christ, to to want Him and His ways more than we want me and my ways Mm -hmm. and my sin. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord knows He's sovereign. He knows how long he, that we need to struggle in a certain area. Um, you know, again, we have a responsibility in that. But He also is sovereign even over that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think we can get so discouraged with so much self-condemnation. And um, and like you said, going back, that self-condemnation takes us, or other people condemning us, takes us right back to the courtroom. Right. And the reality is, is in justification, before we were justified, God was our judge. hmm But in sanctification, He's our Father, and we're adopted. And you think about the difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment is, I'm going to pay you back for the wrong you've done. Discipline is, I'm going to correct you Mm -hmm. so you can move forward differently.
0: And don't you think it's true when when we get really stuck in sanctification or we get really discouraged, one of the things that we're doing is we are looking at a particular area where we want to see growth. Mm
1: -hmm. Like maybe
0: it's a particular fruit of the Spirit, you know. Why am I not more loving? Um uh, why am I not more patient? Yeah, patience. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> and and we don't see the ways that God's di- working other things in us. Yes. And and so often it's just trusting that we don't always see the way he's working because we want it to look like this right now. Yeah. And that comes from comparison. It's yes. going to kill comparison's going to kill us yeah. in sanctification. Yeah,
1: that's such a great point because I think in comparison Really, the only comparison I need to make is where was I? Where am I compared to the day I was justified? Oh my goodness, God has done such an amazing mm-hmm. work in my life. I'm not even the same person. But looking forward, when I th- when I think about glorification and the presence of sin being removed, and there's no more sin in me, right. like, there's a long way to go to be like Jesus mm-hmm. and to have the realization of that. Mm-hmm. So I think if we're going to compare on any scale, we have to just to compare what is what's the work God's already done and what's the work that God still is doing. Don't compare to other people, because God has already worked in us, and He is going to continue to work in us until He takes us home. And at that point, whether or not I think the the work was complete enough or not doesn't matter, because it's over, Mm -hmm. and then it will be fully complete.
0: And then to go back to that concept of it's not just how we perform or how we look more like Christ, but how we grow closer to Christ. You know, one thing we we can forget is that um, when we don't see character changes— we can become discouraged. But if we cling to the truth of the gospel, we often grow in affection for Christ. He still loves me yeah. even when I am not patient. Right. <laughs> he still loves me even when I am not kind. And so one you know, one thing we can look at is like, you know, Lord, I am not growing in kindness um, to my husband. But I am I can see that I have more affection for you, that you spent three years day in, day out with these disciples who just didn't get it. And mm-hmm. you never spoke an unkind word to them ever one time. I'm yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you never did it. And like, I am more in awe of who Christ is as I see my own struggle with sin. I'm more in awe of his perfection. And so I, I, I see my affection for him growing, even sometimes when I don't see my um, appearance yeah. like, like him growing. Yeah.
1: And I think so often when that greater affection grows, then the fruit grows the right. other things it, grow right mm-hmm. and i and it, i like sort of the picture of course We don't have it where you can see it right now, but we put a little, um, we can put a graph in the show notes as well. But really just showing like sometimes when we first come to Christ, we think like that's the biggest the gospel's ever gonna be. Like, Mm -hmm. I just got saved. It'll never be any bigger than it is this moment. But really what we begin to see is throughout our lives, the glory and grace of God grow so much as we really understand who God is, what He's done for us, how much He loves us. And really then that is the the full understanding of that comes in glorification when we're with Him. But I know for me, I think I told you the year I turned 50, You know, I wept Mm -hmm. that entire year. I cried Mm -hmm. so much because I felt like the cross had never been as big to me as it was 25 years into coming to Saving Faith. I just wept and wept because I was like, oh, after all these years, after all of everything Mm -hmm. I've done, after all the ways you know I am, you still just love me. Mm -hmm. I was completely overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed. And I still it makes me teary-eyed because I just really I I think like you're saying the cross just grows bigger, and the understanding of that what my justification means, um, yeah it just is it becomes more overwhelming mm-hmm. and that affection makes me want to love God and to serve Him and to tell other people about Him.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good.
1: Yeah, well, I hope we've taken a really big concept that volumes have been written about <laughs> and made it somewhat useful and somewhat palatable in just saying these three big concepts, um, maybe they're they're more simple now and understandable and relatable and
0: workable. And they're important in our lives, and they um, are important in the way that we interact with other people. Yeah.
2: of your grace, but you gave it to me freely. You're listening to That's Why by Addie Green. For visuals and discussion questions for this podcast, sign up at knownministries.org. Because we learn better together, we'd love for you to share this podcast with others and gather to discuss it. If you take a moment to like, follow, subscribe, and rate this podcast, it'll help tremendously. We'd love to connect on social at Known Ministries. This podcast is made possible by engineer and producer Zachary Tate Smith, executive producer Malia Smith, and generous donors. the information presented is for the enjoyment of all, it is not intended as either medical advice or counseling, nor is it specific to any particular individual. It is not intended to replace counseling, medical care, or professional advice. Please contact 911 if you are having an emergency.